0: What if everything we see as a pathology is actually a possibility? What else is possible with mental health?
1: Hello, everyone. We're here today celebrating the third anniversary of Kaleidoscope Possibilities. My name is Vinicius. I'll be the host today interviewing Dr. Adriana Popescu. She is a clinical psychologist, addiction and trauma specialist, author, speaker, podcast host, Empowerment coach who's based in San Francisco, California, and practices worldwide. She's the clinical director at Every Lane, a women's addiction treatment program focusing on occurring mental health disorders and trauma, and founder and CEO of Firebird Healing, an innovative holistic trauma healing center, both in Northern California. Hello, Dr. Adriana.
0: Hi, Vinny. Happy to be with you here today.
1: I want to start today's episode with the first question about your newest book. What if you're not as fucked up as you think you are? So what's inspired you to write that book? Can you let us know a bit more about that?
0: Yeah, and I and the title, the controversial title. We did put asterisks in there in the printed version. But yeah, um it's a long story of how I got to this book, but uh really the bottom line is during the pandemic, um I finally, you know, for years people have been like when are you going to write a book? When are you going to write a book and those of us that have written dissertations have already written a book and we didn't always like that process so writing was not something i really was joyful about doing but um for a long time i didn't feel like i had anything to say and then something happened during the pandemic that i finally realized oh, actually, i actually have a lot to say and it really is what i have learned from my own experiences as well as the thousands of clients that i've worked with over the years which is what I've discovered is there's this lowest common denominator that seems to be at the root of every limitation, every problem, every issue that people seem to come to me with, whether it's really severe trauma, PTSD, addiction, or my coaching clients who uh, maybe are struggling with a business or their career or a relationship or something like that. What I would always see across all these different people is that there seemed to be limiting beliefs that were at the root of whatever the person was experiencing that was making it so that they couldn't actually change whatever it is they were saying they wanted to change. And this is the idea that um, we have core false beliefs that we are carrying around, kind of like the programs. In a computer they're what makes the computer you know you and i are on a computer right now talking and behind the scenes all these software programs and hardware programs that make everything work and we're not consciously aware of them but they have to be working for us to be able to do what we're doing and so what happens is we as people also develop these programs these belief systems from the time we're babies in the womb Um, And we come into the world and we're bombarded constantly with these messages about how we're supposed to look, how we're supposed to act, who we're supposed to be, what we're not supposed to be. And what starts to happen is we get programmed. Children up until the age of seven are in a highly hypnotizable state. Dr. Bruce Lipton writes about this in The Biology of Belief, and I talk about it in the book as well. They'll look at children's brainwaves up until the age of seven their brainwaves are primarily in the theta wavelength, which means like deep meditation or hypnosis. You're essentially being super absorbent of all the material that's coming in and taking it to be true, which is why you can tell a kid that there's this bunny that's going to come every Easter and give you candy and chocolates and things, right? And children will believe it even though it doesn't make logical sense, it's not true, they believe what is told to them. And so we will believe what our authority figures, our parents, families, older kids, teachers at school, priests or pastors, whoever the influences are, and nowadays, media, television, movies, social media, you know we're constantly getting bombarded with these messages and it starts to shape the way we see ourselves. We learn how to judge ourselves. We learn how to make ourselves wrong um because we're desperately desperately trying to fit in and sometimes the messages we get is it's not okay to be different or you're too much or you're not enough or whatever it may be and then we start to believe these lies to be true so the lies yeah yeah that's really what was the inspiration is recognizing this pattern across so many different people and knowing that in my personal experience and in my professional experience, I've been able to discover tools that allow us to change those programs and those limiting points of view. So I wanted to get that information out there in the world so people knew that we have the technology to change whatever it is in our lives that isn't working.
1: Can you please tell us more about those tools that are like able to change the lives that we believe with all this information that's being bombarded to us? and tell tell, of course to the readers like what they will get out of using those tools and the book
0: yeah so really the book it takes like a perspective across many different modalities around how these core limiting beliefs get created and how Mm -hmm. what tools we can use to change them so i start with traditional psychology and I explain cognitive behavioral therapy and how we can use something like a thought record to challenge the automatic thoughts, the thought distortions, um, to change the, basically those limiting beliefs and, um, look at like what evidence we have that supports them and what evidence we have that does not, and reframe the way that we're seeing things. That's traditional psychotherapy, Mm -hmm. you know, CBT is considered a gold standard in Western traditional psychotherapy. And I go from there and I move into energy psychology. And I talk about how energy psychology was born and how we can use uh, tools like EFT tapping or a tool called B-set free fast, Mm -hmm. neuro emotional (sighs) technique, how these different modalities are working with the energy systems in our bodies, because really our thoughts, our emotions, even the physical sensations in our body, they're all energy. And energy is malleable, it can change, it can be molded, it can be shifted. And so it's taking the same premise, um, but then working with these tools to change the energy around it and to also work with things like trauma, because trauma has a big impact on how we see ourselves in the world, how we can do things like rewire our nervous systems, get out of a stuck fight, flight, or freeze response and change the beliefs that came out of traumatic experiences. And to really do that work, you have to be more somatic and mind-body based because talk therapy alone hasn't been shown to be, you know, super effective And just talking about your trauma over and over again. You have to actually get to the energies that are held in the body and help deepen, held deep in the brain and our subconscious mind um, to really be able to heal from that. And From there, I move into access consciousness, which is this work that I've done more in the last 10, 12 years, which is really about, you know, seeing things from a completely different perspective, talking about how your point of view creates your reality, and then giving you tools from access that you can use to start to access your infinite being, because fundamentally at the Mm -hmm. core, your essence, your spirit, you're a whole imperfect being, you're an infinite being. You're not broken, you're not defective. These are all things we learned. You're not born inherently uh, wrong, bad, broken, defective. right? So reconnecting with your essential self, your infinite being and tools you can use to do that. So I really am looking at this issue through a lot of different lenses, hoping that the readers will get a sense for how all of this happens for us, because so much of it is below our conscious awareness and giving them a variety of tools they can try because i give exercises at the end of each chapter it's kind of a book and workbook combined how people can then go about um changing these distorted ways in which they're seeing themselves and stop believing the lies that they think are true about them yeah
1: so they can really expect transformation let's say or at least a bit of change in the world from the tools that you like give them during the book
0: yeah if they're willing to do work (laughs) <laughs> it doesn't work. It's not just going to magically, you know, happen. Um, you do have to do some things. But yeah, if, if people, these tools are so powerful. I love them because they're so empowering. Because what they, when you use these tools over time, you start to realize I can change the way I think. I can change the way I feel. I can mm-hmm. even change what's going on in my body. I mean, you know, the, the. Listeners and viewers of the show probably have heard me talk about, you know, this almost 20 year battle I have with Lyme disease. Yeah. That was,
1: I was about to ask you about this. Yeah.
0: That was supposedly an incurable condition that was, you know, gonna be, I'm gonna be stuck with it for the rest of my life. If I even live that long, cause Lyme disease can kill you. And if I had mm. believed what the doctors told me, I wouldn't be here right now. So. Um, your point of view really does create your reality. And I always knew somewhere inside that there's gotta be a way I can get better from this. There's got to be a way I can heal. And if I'm not finding it here in Western medicine, I'm gonna look elsewhere. I'm gonna look in traditional healing methods. I'm gonna look at holistic and alternative healing methods. And and I did, and that's how I came to discover all these tools. It was really through my own personal journey. Which in many ways became a spiritual journey um and through a very dark night of the soul as we talk about in kind of spiritual practices i did go through that i was extremely depressed i was extremely sick um and i was down a dark black hole but the fact that i discovered these techniques and as i started using them and went to different practitioners and they were working in this more holistic way with me i started feeling better And so then I wanted to learn how to do these techniques so I could help my clients. And really, that's how it all evolved over the last 20 plus years.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Like you literally had skin in the game, let's say like this, with all the tools that you're sharing in the book, like practicing and using them yourself to share with your readers. And I, I find that amazing. Thank you. And still on the book, like what are the feedback that you've been receiving from people that are reading it? What are they thinking about it? Like have you received any review?
0: Yeah, people have been, people have been really positive. Um, you know, we have we have some reviews on Amazon and we're, we're asking people to please do more because the more reviews it has, the more Amazon puts it out there for people to find all the algorithms. Um, but I actually had a professional review, an editorial review from a book editor um who reviewed my book for the energy psychology newsletter. So there's an association for comprehensive energy psychology uh, that I'm affiliated with. And I'm gonna be speaking at their conference in a few weeks on EFT for addiction. That's gonna be my second book. Uh, but I had a, a professional editor read the book and had really great things to say about it. I think we even put the review, there's an abbreviated version on Amazon, and I think we have the full version somewhere, maybe on the landing page for the book, what if you're not.com. But she really wrote a great, and she doesn't know me, she doesn't, know, you know, she knows a little bit about energy psychology, but she thought I did a really great job of explaining these concepts to the reader. Somebody told me that my explanation of how to do EFT was like the best one they had ever read. Um, mostly the people who have given me feedback have said really positive things. They found the information really useful. They found it easy to understand. One of the worries I had you know, in writing it was that I put too much in here. Is it is it too much information? Is it gonna go over people's heads? But it seems like people are getting it. It seems like they're finding it helpful um, it's really opening them up to a different possibility, which was one of the main things I wanted to do is just to maybe plant a seed. Even if people don't choose not mm-hmm. to do this work, if it's just plant a seed for a different possibility that, hey, maybe you're really just not as effed up as you think you are, that in and of itself, if that title sparks something in someone's world, great. But yeah, so far, so good. Um, I've been very pleased with the feedback that we've gotten, and I would just love the book to out in the world and reach more people
1: that's incredible and i wanted to ask you one more thing on the book how it was like being interviewed by jack canfield about the book
0: (laughs) i love jack he's so great he's really someone i consider like an inspiration or even a mentor um and i was so grateful i've taken some of his workshops um i got a chance to be interviewed by him at his beautiful home in santa barbara California and um, and during the pandemic, which was, you know, amazing that he was still allowing that to occur. And he's just such a lovely man and, you know, he came from nothing. He too, you know, had, he could have easily taken a victim consciousness and stayed stuck in poverty and in limited, limited you know, possibilities for his life. But he too was like a warrior and he knew something greater was possible he worked his tail off. He got himself into an Ivy League school. Our stories are actually kind of similar. Even starting in West Virginia. We both actually were born and I was partly <laughs> raised in West Virginia as he was and we both went to Ivy League schools and kind of made 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 something I haven't reached the success he's had. Oh my gosh, he's he sold like 500 million copies of those chicken soup for the soul books. It's incredible. But um It was lovely i mean he he's a big fan of tapping he actually um has spoken on the tapping world summit a number of times he's kind of an expert in in eft tapping he's very open to energy psychology and the different approaches so he knew what i was talking about which is always really (laughs) nice to be interviewed by someone who knows what you do and what it is and can ask you really i think and he asked really good questions really intelligent questions um, and I just felt really comfortable with him, even though there's cameras everywhere and it's you know, a pretty well set up professional studio that he has in his house. Um, I felt really he was so warm and friendly and open and it was just um, I felt really warmly received by him. So, yeah, it was a real it was a real treat.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And to wrap up the book, so we can move on into therapy and firebird healing. I'd like to to ask you, like, what is one tool that you could share with anyone that's listening to this right now uh, on the book that you would, that would contribute to them? Is there one that you're like preferred one or something like that?
0: Well, I think, I think some of them require probably more time, you know, to really get into like to teach someone how to tap, you kind of have to go through some explanation of it. So I guess. I might pick something from one of the first chapters in the book, which is Byron Katie's work. If you're familiar with her, she—you can find her at thework.com, and she has these four really super simple questions um, that can help you to shift the way you're thinking about yourself or a situation. And it's basically like a layperson's version of, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy. But um, I find it super simple, and I offer it up as one of the exercises in the book which is, um, you take something negative, like, let's say you're looking at, um, a job interview that maybe didn't go so well. And you're thinking I blew it. Um, I failed. See, I'm a total failure. I blew that interview. Okay. And so you would take that thought and then apply these four questions to it because questions will empower questions, open up different perspectives and possibilities. Answers tend to give you tunnel vision. And that's what most of us are doing when we're seeing ourselves through these core false beliefs. I'm a failure. I'm a loser. I never get it right. You know, you can't see past that. These questions help you to look at it from a different perspective. So you ask first, is it true? Is it true that I'm a failure? You know, have I, is it really true? How do I know it's true? Right? So, you know, that would force you to look at, okay, have I failed at every single thing in life? Well, no, you know, like I've, I've, I managed to, successfully get a degree or I've managed to, you know, maintain a relationship before I've gotten jobs before, you know? So, um, you start to look at, okay, maybe it's not totally true. Maybe sometimes I have failed at some things, but maybe not all the time. Um, how does it feel when I think this way? Well, I feel pretty crappy. I feel shame. I feel sad. I feel hopeless. If I think that I'm a failure, it makes me want to give up. Um, If I'm somebody who uses substances, maybe it makes me want to drink or use, right? Um, That's another question. And then what's another way to look at it? You make a turnaround. What's a different way to look at it? Okay. So maybe I reframe this thought to yes, I may have not succeeded at some things, but I have actually been really successful with others. I'm not a total Mm -hmm. failure. Um, And I can learn how to get better at interviewing. Maybe I could take a workshop or I could get some coaching lessons on how I might present myself differently in an interview. I could change this, even though this didn't work out for me, I still, I can change it. I can get more skilled and I can get practice and get better at interviewing. And so that would be the turnaround. That's a really simple tool, the work, um, Byron Katie, it's, it's really easy. And anybody could use those questions to just start to consider a different possibility
1: yeah it's basically about like having the curiosity to ask those questions and explore like what's really going on and like being open to receive new possibilities experiences information about it yeah because sometimes for myself for example I forget the success I had in the past so when I'm failing at something I'm like Jesus this, this this didn't work and I make that really big really big really big instead of looking like to other things, other like stepping stones that I did in the past that helped me get there. Yes, I found that amazing. Thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. And you recently founded a trauma healing center, Firebird Healing. Mm -hmm. Like, would you tell us a little bit more about it? What what inspired you to create it?
0: Well, what I saw was the need. Um, So, you know, I also am the clinical director at Avery Lane, which is a women's dual diagnosis program here in the Bay Area and all you know our women were coming in you know primarily for substance abuse that's their primary thing but then they also have these co-occurring mental disorders particularly trauma and ptsd and though we do a lot with them in the 30 or 60 days sometimes less sometimes more that we have with them we still weren't able to get really and we could do some trauma processing work but there's so many of them have chronic ptsd lifetimes worth of trauma to work through mm-hmm. and there wasn't the time and an ability to do that. So I saw where there was a real need for that kind of treatment for people, especially who have gone through rehab. And so originally it was conceived as an intensive outpatient program. I had designed a whole curriculum to have people come three times a week and do this, learn about trauma, learn about the stages of healing trauma and tools that they can use to manage, you know, trauma responses, like when we get triggered to a fight, flight, freeze response, and to be able to do some of the deeper processing with brain spotting or EMDR or um, somatic experiencing, all these wonderful modalities that I talk about in the book that are really effective at getting to the trauma that we've locked in our bodies, locked in our minds, and to be able to release that so that people can get to a a space of post-traumatic growth. Because that was always Mm. the vision with for me with trauma work is that you know i want to help people be like the phoenix bird. that's why i chose the name firebird healing and the symbol of a phoenix bird which comes from you know mythology i believe it's greek mythology roman mythology whatever it is and the phoenix bird you know rises it has flames for for wings because it rises from the fires of destruction and ruin and it triumphs and so firebird healing triumph over trauma that became the the mo and this program was designed to help people learn how to heal from trauma so then the pandemic hit and everything went online and firebird kind of went on hold for a while and then i decided that i needed to launch it in whatever format i could for you know forget iop for now and let's just get out there let's give people information I I, Mm -hmm. the firebird website you know firebird healing Firebird-healing.com. I want it to be a venue where people go and get information, where they can read articles and find resources and watch videos, you know, on all, all our social media and YouTube and stuff, where they can watch and learn about trauma and techniques and story people's stories and how they can heal from this stuff. And then we started doing online workshops and. We started creating in, we just had our first in-person workshop just last weekend Um, and then I hired another therapist, Nicole, to start working with me. And so we offer through Firebird, we offer individual and group therapy. We offer workshops, you know, we're, we're creating some healing retreats for next year and all kinds of really, really great stuff. Like my vision for Firebird is for it to be like the premier trauma healing resource. Um, where people can go and find hope and find tools and resources that are going to help them come out of that black hole of trauma and despair and recognize that they can be like that phoenix bird rising from the ashes and truly triumph over their trauma.
1: That's incredible. So with Firebird, it's all about trauma and triumphing over it. So healing from trauma is possible. Cause like, I see a lot of people like talking about trauma and looking at. through lens of like, this is not like possible for me to get over. Could you please like enlighten us more about that and also talk about the difference between a big trauma and a smaller trauma? Like how does all that work?
0: Yeah. So trauma basically is an experience that you have that overwhelms in the moment, over, overwhelms your ability to cope and. People have been talking about like big T. Most people think of trauma as what some would call big T, capital T trauma. So things like war, um, acts of oh. violence, um, natural disasters, assault, you know, abuse of physical, mental, emotional, sexual. You know, people think of that kind of stuff as being big T trauma. And little t trauma has been often overlooked, but can be equally overwhelming to people, which can include things like um, losing loss, grief, loss, losing a job that you love, losing a partner, losing your pet, um, being bullied or harassed, um, having uh, an illness of some sort. right? Maybe not a life-threatening illness, but uh, like me with the... Well, I'm we could have considered life-threatening at some point but you know whatever it is, um, it, these kinds of experiences that sometimes don't get of um, living as a let's say um, having a sexual identity or gender identity that doesn't conform to your family or your neighborhood or what or, or your part of the world you live in and then you have to either keep it secret or you know you, or you face you know harassment and discrimination or whatever all of those things can contribute to someone being overwhelmed in their ability to cope with that. And there's a whole biochemical thing that happens with like the fight, flight, freeze response in our brains and our amygdalas and all these things, you know, happen to our bodies, our minds, our emotions, and and to our spirit as a result of having trauma. And more recently I've actually really warmed up to a different language for big T little t trauma, which is, um, covert trauma and overt trauma so overt trauma being more of those big t what seems like obviously a a traumatic thing that would probably you know feel traumatizing to most people and then covert trauma those little t traumas that we might overlook and think oh well that wasn't a big deal just get over it right Like you mentioned this point of view that people have well it was in the past you know you can't change it just get over it move on except we can't i devote a whole chapter to the book on trauma and the impact that it has on us in all those areas, because it does, it can especially recurring traumatic or adverse experiences, especially in childhood when your brain is still forming, can totally change the way your brain develops. Um, Your brain, the amygdala will misfire, you know, over time, it'll keep thinking you're in a life or death situation when you're not. And so you're seeing lions, tigers and bears and threats everywhere where there are none. And so people are stuck in this chronic state of hypervigilance and fight flight, or they're shut down and they go into dissociation or freeze where they're not even present with their bodies and like really, you know, out of it in some kind of way, all the way to the extremes of, you know, complete dissociation and losing time and dissociative amnesia and all these things. And so um, people are not recognizing the effect that trauma has on our bodies. Um, It changes the way you see yourself. It changes how safe you feel in the world. Trauma is very physiological as well as psychological. It affects the way your beliefs, core false beliefs will come out of trauma. Oftentimes things like I'm broken, I'm damaged goods. um, Nobody's going to want to be with me because this has happened to me or some sort of victim consciousness. Like uh, I have no control over what happens to me. Uh, Bad things always happen to me and I can't stop them. Things like that. Uh, or maybe I deserved it. You know, I'm fundamentally, there's something wrong with me. I'm a bad person and I must've deserved to have this thing happen to me. So it affects how we think, how we, how we feel. Um, it can even crush our spirit in some way. You know, we can feel very disconnected from that part of ourselves, our infinite being selves, you know, that is whole and perfect. We can start to feel not that we can feel gross and yuck and shame. And there's something fundamentally like wrong with me. And if you're not addressing all those aspects of trauma, people typically don't heal from it, you know, especially if they have had repetitive experiences over and over again, Mm -hmm. that have basically solidified these beliefs into existence.
1: That's really interesting. I, I find that type of topic incredible. Thank you very much for sharing a bit of your knowledge on trauma. And I'd like to address like on Firebird, we're dealing with trauma and in your book you talk about like energy psychology and holistic approaches do you apply those holistic approaches on Firebird as well yeah. like how do you integrate all that all your practice practices I'm sorry.
0: yeah I mean we do we you know at Firebird as well as in my practice you know we incorporate the best of the traditional modalities and the best of the holistic modalities and i'm constantly ever the student always learning about new things brain spotting is not something i'd even heard of until a few years ago when i heard david grand speak at at an energy psychology conference i took a day-long workshop with him and i thought my gosh this stuff is amazing it came from emdr which is a tried and true trauma treatment for many many years and he just developed it to be less ab reactive that's one of the main complaints people have with emdr is Sometimes people get overwhelmed with the material, the trauma material that comes up. I find brain spotting to be less of that. Um, The energy psychology tools we use, Nicole and I are both trained in brain spotting and energy psychology. Um, She's really loving the tools and she's even taken an access bars class and knows how to run bars on people. So we do in-person work at my office in San Francisco. We do online work, Um, we do therapy, we do coaching. Um, there's so many different things that we offer. And yeah, we use a lot of these holistic tools um, because we found that they're a lot more effective than just the traditional talk therapy. You know, the joke I often say is the talk, talk therapy is kind of like a dog chasing its tail. Sometimes it's not getting to what we need. And now that we understand the science of trauma, I mean, polyvagal theory has really opened up a lot of understanding around how trauma is physiological and not just psychological. So when you're treating it, mm-hmm. you have to be also addressing the body and all the ways in which, you know, that trauma is stored in the body. Energy psychology is a co- cognitive somatic practice. It's mind, body medicine, and you have a lot of other modalities out there that are as well. So the technology is there. Science is now validating these modalities. There's a huge body of research. If you go to the ASAP website, energypsych.org, there's something like over 300 published research studies now on these techniques and how they are shown to be highly effective um, with all kinds of issues, depression, anxiety, trauma, PTSD, addiction, uh, phobias, all kinds of like mental health issues physical things like chronic pain, allergies, um, health issues of various kinds. And, um, EP has really taken off in sports psychology. So you have a lot of, um, people who are professional athletes who are using tapping. I've worked with a couple of Olympic athletes to help them, you know, deal with performance anxiety, to be able to concentrate, to be able to do their very best, to be their very best. Um, David Grand uses brain spotting with actors and other kinds of performers. So many people have, you know, stage fright or, you know, they get nervous when they're in front of a camera, you know, we, we help people with that with public speaking, all kinds of things. So the applications are endless. These tools are so incredibly powerful. They really can allow you to change really anything in your life that is not working.
1: So you could say that energy psychology is not really different but there is a difference between energy psychology and the traditional psychology could you speak just a little bit more about that because i'm aware that you just spoke some differences between the two right now
0: i think that energy psychology energy psychology is more integrative and comprehensive i think uh traditional psychotherapy comes a little bit from the western medicine model which is about symptoms and symptom management Right. This is, this is how even the whole insurance system in America is based. You have to meet medical necessity for a mental health disorder. And then all of the therapy is supposed to be oriented toward mitigating the symptoms of that disorder, much like a diabetic goes to the doctor gets put on insulin to manage the symptoms of their diabetes. So they don't get into a diabetic coma or whatever. Right. That's the kind of conventional Mm -hmm. model. And energy psychology to me goes deeper. It gets to the root causes of why this is an issue in the first place. It also addresses, like I said, the mind, the body and the spirit and the emotions, right? So you're looking at all those different aspects and how they've been impacted, whether it's by a trauma or what are the physical, mental, emotional and spiritual components of depression or of trauma or of addiction, right? So we are mm-hmm. being more comprehensive, you know, and, and the, the other thing you see in Western medicine is you go to your general practitioner for one thing, and then you have to go to a specialist, right? The body is even seen in, in different systems. Like you go to this kind of doctor for the, for your eyes, and you go to that kind of doctor for your foot, and you go to this kind of doctor for your heart, it's fragmented. And so um, I think we're being more complete when we're addressing all these different components and we can do it in one venue rather than having to send someone to five different practitioners to address five different aspects of the same thing. Medicine is coming along. I think mental health is also coming along. I think we are seeing movements toward more integrated medicine, more functional medicine. That's looking at how all the systems interact with each other. And, you know, even on the podcast, we interviewed, um, doctors, Juliette Morgan, And, uh, more recently, you know, we had an interview with someone who was talking about this more integrated approach to long illness. She was working a lot with long COVID and things like that. And, um, so I do think medicine is starting to come along and we have a long ways to go. Um, but for now, obviously I'm a little biased towards, you know, these more holistic approaches, but have found them to be effective. And the research is backing us up. You know uh what they'll find when they compare ep energy psychology for instance with cbt cognitive behavioral therapy both get good results but ep does it in half the time so if you can find you know a method that gives people long lasting or even permanent results in changing something and they can do it in half the time and with half the cost that's going to be pretty interesting to insurance companies um to people who don't want to be in therapy for years on end. I mean, I once had a client come to me and was told by a psychoanalyst. You know, analysis, psychoanalysis has been around for many, many, many years. And um, it's all about how, um, you know, you're gonna have to come to therapy three to five times a week for years on end to see change. And we know that that's not required. And we know that's not, uh, that it can be done much faster than that and much more, much more completely than that. And that's what these energy techniques allow us to do.
1: So there's a lot around it about mental health and trends as well. So what are the trends that are you seeing right now in mental health?
0: What I'm really encouraged about actually with the current state of mental health treatment is that we are getting some new stuff coming in. Um, There's this huge resurgence with the psychedelic uh, assisted therapies ketamine, psilocybin, the, the MDMA study is getting amazing results about treating PTSD and trauma with MDMA, um, in these supervised, you know, therapy sessions. Um, there's, we're learning more about ayahuasca and Ibogaine and all these other, um, medicines, plant medicines that have been used for millennia by traditional cultures and cultures all around the world. There's a huge amount of research and enthusiasm around those. I'm encouraged by that. Um, we have some really interesting, um, brain based treatments like trans magnetic stimulation where you're using magnetic, uh, frequencies to, uh, to- on the brain to help with treatment resistant depression. You have things like biofeedback and neurofeedback that are changing brain waves. We have our energy psychology tools that are becoming more and more mainstream. Mm -hmm. Um, we even have an interesting new treatment that we're exploring at the rehab center at, at potentially offering called a stellate ganglion block, which involves injecting an anesthetic into the neck, into this bundle of nerves that helps the vagus nerve to reset so that people who have had trauma and are living in that amped up fight or flight or shut down free state, it helps reset that mechanism for them. That's very promising and interesting. I just am really encouraged by how much new information is coming out, new research, new technology, and also a revisiting of the old traditional classic methods. And you know, when we're when we're training mental health practitioners and training MDs, you know, bringing in the wisdom of of traditional practices like acupuncture, um, like shamanic healing, like whatever has been used, uh, Ayurvedic medicine i um, working with the chakras, working with meridians, yeah. doing up Tai Chi Chi and yoga and me- meditation and all the things. And now science is catching up and telling us that all of these things are effective. <laughs> they are creating changes in the brain and the nervous system and the body and our genetics. Epigenetics is this fascinating new field that can show us how trauma changes the way our genes function and how things like energy psychology can can undo some of that damage and, and also change the way our genes function. So I'm really encouraged by where we're at and what I'm hoping for the future of mental health is that we continue down this path of more inclusivity, not exclusivity. I'd love to see more mental health practitioners learning about these more holistic approaches and not just relying on one tool, you know, for every client, cause it doesn't work. I have a giant toolbox. And sometimes i am using the more traditional approaches with folks because that's where they're at and that's what they're open to um but i love the idea of having bigger toolboxes and having other mental health professionals have bigger toolboxes so that we really can serve our clients with the best technology and techniques that we possibly can the ones that really do work and will create lasting change too many of my clients have come to me and said you know i was in therapy before and i would walk." We would just talk the whole time. The therapist would nod and say, mm, mm, and not much was done. And they would walk out of the session feeling worse than when they came in. I don't want that for my clients. I want clients to come to therapy or coaching and walk out or get off the of Zoom and feel better than they did when they came in. Um, and I know that these tools and techniques allow us to do that. So that's I'm on a mission right now to get the word out that we have the technology we have a variety of different approaches, and you can, in fact, change the way you see things. You can change what's not working for you, and you might come to find that you are, in fact, not as effed up as you think that you are.
1: <laughs> that was amazing. Thank you so much, Dr. Adriana. It was a delight doing this interview with you, and you. we did this switched mode today to like celebrate the third anniversary of Kaleidoscope possibilities would you like to address a bit about it
0: yes i'm episode 75 i wanted to be episode 75 to celebrate yes may is the month when we launched the podcast back in 2020 right in the midst of the pandemic and um and i'm so grateful for all of the amazing guests that i've had on the podcast over the years i've had some incredible um, visionaries and healers and and some of the creators of some of these methods and the people that are out there that have done all the hard work to try to get these tools into more mainstream and have done the research and are still doing the research. Um, they're my mentors. They're my inspiration. They have incredible stories of their own. So many of them, like myself, share a personal story of struggle, of of, of illness of trauma uh, and, and and of using these approaches to triumph over that trauma. So it's been a real joy to do this podcast and I have so many more shows lined up and really cool people that are going to come on the show. I feel very blessed to be able to do this. Um, It's really fun for me to talk with folks about their stories and their tools and and what they have found works and doesn't work and i love that there are other people out there that are thinking outside the box you know i got an email not too long ago from a woman a a therapist somewhere in the midwest maybe where people aren't quite as open to this kind of thing and how inspired she felt by my podcast to know that there are other healing professionals out there who are using these tools and she's not alone and um and that there there are we're out there and um she felt really inspired and hopeful about pursuing this kind of um approach with her clients knowing that there were other people out there doing this work so that was really you know moving to me and i know how, how much the audience um has also in their comments and and feedback has let me know that the information I'm providing is valuable. And they also feel hope and inspiration and feel like they have a direction to go. We offer so many resources, you know, just in our show notes, we, we give a lot of links and resources for, for, for folks. So um, I'm just really proud of the work that we've done. And I'm super grateful to you, Vinny, being my behind the scenes guy who puts <laughs> it all together and handles all the technology that's over my head. Um, so grateful to my team, grateful to all of the audience. Those of you that tune in always, you know, asking if you like this stuff, please do like subscribe, comment, share, help us get this information out there in the hands of more people. And of course, if you want to find me, you can find me on all the different social media or at my two websites, adrianapopescu.org or firebird-healing.com.
1: Thank you so much, Dr. Adriana. It was amazing, this conversation. Thank you so much for creating and leading like all this movement. I love it. Thank you.
0: Bye, everyone. See you next time. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. This has been Dr. Adriana Popescu. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe and share with others. To find out more about me, my guests, and more, please visit my website at adrianapopescu.org. See you next time!